What did you expect? Welcome, Sonny. Make yourself at home. Marry my daughter. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the new West. You know. Morons. <laughs> Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had Welcome back to Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Ahmed Burn on the board after fighting his way through traffic. Uh, tough to do these days in the morning with the Definitely Kennedy uh, messed is, yeah. up. Oh, but it's only been, for, it's only going to be for three years, man, so don't worry about it. Only, only till I'm in my, uh, I think my, what was it, my, my late 20s. Um, I'm going to take, I'm going to take you over on the three years, just saying. Uh, I am too. I, three years probably means seven or eight at this point. Yes. Yeah, well, they haven't really started doing much work yet. So, uh, Brandon, we have Brandon and Kevin. You might ask why. Well, because, uh, Kevin knows yeah, a lot. why, damn it, why? Yeah, because Kevin knows a lot about this Dominion voting systems. I <laughs> don't know a damn thing about him, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Kevin knows a lot about everything, even though he even though. And, and Brandon can uh, bring us the lawyer's view on how the hell a settlement like this even comes to fruition, and how much of it happened really on the last day where the jury was at lunch, because this thing seemed like it had to be in the works somewhat for a while. But um, Kevin, why don't you, uh, you know, wasn't the big? Well, first of all, there's still uh, suits against. Uh, I don't even who, who are these other players. Uh, there's still suits out there against um, uh, smart, Smartmatic. Uh, are those guys have another voting machine company? <coughs> um, and then there's uh, uh, false news, false claims about the election in the Newsmax Media. Um, that's that's Audrey's favorite station. Uh, One American News Network. Overstock, how does Overstock founder Patrick Brin get in there? My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell. Uh, former Trump attorney really Giuliani, I get him because he was the guest saying all this stuff. And attorney Sidney Powell. But how did the how the hell let's save that to later? How did the pillow? How does a pillow guy get in there? An overstock. Oh, he's he's been, oh, he's a real big talker about the election fraud. Really? Yeah. He's all yeah. over the place. Well, and he's he's you know sort of a political activist. It, it, it's he had an interesting story and very compelling up until this, but I think he's kind of beclowned himself to a, a large degree now. Um, the the guy was an an addict who really hit rock bottom, um, and then uh, and then got into treatment and built this successful company. So uh, you know it. it could have it, it, left alone at that point 
um, you know, you would have talked about him as, as a pretty admirable guy, but he has been one of the ones talking about election fraud uh, and, you know, using the platform as much as he could. So, Well, the Overstack guy, I, I know anecdotally, because for really, Brendan, you and I talked about this guy years ago. Uh, he, he is still convinced that short sellers have his stock. He's been fighting short sellers for, has to be 15 years. I was, I was supposed to be an expert witness for it. This was 15, like 15 years ago, 10, 12 years ago. But he, he's absolutely convinced that his stock would be like double, and you, and you cannot dissuade him from that, from that argument. He's, he's, once, once he's got something in his head, boy, it, it stays. Anyway, let's... So you, t- you take that approach with conspiracy theorists and the election, and it fits right in. And yeah. Lindell, when he, was, when he was recovering from addiction, became a very staunch evangelical Christian. If you look at him on any of his TV appearances, he wears this big cross outside of his shirt. So he's, you know, he, uh, I like Kevin's word, beclowned himself, because that's that's a, a good way to put it. <laughs> so, so well, and, and like I said, you know, I, the, uh, the religious angle is of, of no concern to me uh, as it comes up. And in fact, you know, a lot of, um, a, a lot of addicts uh, of, of all kinds who uh, who do get themselves into a really, you know, good recovery state, and and it lasts. Uh, do find religion as one of the uh, um, one of the ways to get Fair there. Enough. And and in yep. Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, you know, it, it, uh, they're they're all about the higher power. Uh, mm-hmm. However, you know, Absolutely it's higher true. power. However, you define it. So uh, you know, that's that's neither here nor there to me. But what you know, what is substantial is. Um, is that you know you you had people talking about uh, about the election making claims without without the goods and so they're you know thus the basis for the lawsuits. I would find it more interesting, and I can't say I've paid a whole lot of attention to this. Is uh, you know I'd like to know where the money is coming from to fu- you know to file and to defend. I think that that has a chance to be pretty interesting uh, now that it's come up, and you know, now that we've brought it up, and now you got my attention on this. Well, I, really I think haven't, we, this, haven't paid a lot of attention to let's it. Let's start from the if we can. Let's kind of start from the beginning, and I'll try not to take up too much time. But then Brennan has has to do some stuff. But when I when I go to the voting polls now, you get the thing and you fill in the little dots, and you plunk it into a machine that does the counting. Is that who these guys are? Because it's, they're they're talking about. It's not like. You were the three of us said, "Hey, the typical Chicago BS." You know, all these votes came from the river wards, wherever the hell they are. Like Mike Rico used to say, they actually said the the voting counting machine and the people who made it were crooks and had people on. And they they named those people. It wasn't just a general this election was was robbed kind of a thing. And they had people on there talking about. And isn't weren't you the ones you originally Kevin said in Michigan they were they were after the people who did the the counting of the votes, right? Um, I, I don't remember if they were after the people who did the counting of the votes, but some of the claim was that these machines were online and manipulated yeah, online yeah. Um, during voting. And, uh, you know, I, <coughs> thinking back to the election, you know, that was it. I, look, I, I think we, you know, if, if you want to talk about elections in general and what we should do, I think, Tom, you and I are kind of of a, of a fairly like mind. I, you know, I, I think early voting, but, you know, a month, six weeks, even—I I don't know how long the earliest early voting is—but I think that that you know that makes no sense to me. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of voting on the day of the election, but I realize that a lot of people can't do that. In the last election, 
we hurriedly put together mail-in voting um, in in many cases without going through the state legislatures uh, to uh, um, as required by law because and and pinned it on the um, uh, on the pandemic. So that's the atmosphere. Oh, I agree. That I agree bred that. all of this stuff. Nevertheless, you cannot make public accusations without having the proof. Well, I, I just I mean, the idea, and again, the three of us have talked, let's not go through this again because we could, we'll do it on our regular days, but we've also talked about Fox, CNBC, even though the three of us know there might be some news segments in there and news announcing of earnings and things like that, the rest of the show is anything but news, even though, right. it, even though it's sort of, uh, you know, it, it goes out there as Fox News, Fox Business News, but most of it isn't. I mean, if CNBC who's probably not quite as bad, spends most of the day having CEOs on there basically performing oral sex on the company to get the guy on there. You know, so that, that has, you're never going to get a straight story or a straight question. But anyway, uh, let's, let's shoot through to Brennan because he, he, he has to dash. I think, Brennan, how does something like this, I mean, this, this settlement, this, this didn't happen during the second hour of the jury's lunch yesterday. How does something like this even come together? Well, it's been going on for a while, and the, the, the lawyers for both sides are kind of testing each other out. And up until the point of seating the jury, well, actually, the, the settlement could happen until the jury is brought back with a decision. You know, even after the trial happens, closing arguments, and they're set off with the jury instructions, while they are deliberating, the two sides could continue to talk. So throughout this whole process, the lawyers for both sides are kind of judging do I have a 50% chance of winning? Do I have a 10% chance of winning? Boy, this guy's testimony or that woman's testimony really helped or hurt us. So maybe it's a 90% in our favor. So why am I going to settle? But it, you know, this, this is a very, very interesting trial because there seems to be a lot of evidence that was disclosed that came about through discovery, which looks bad for Fox. When you think about the, the stuff that Rupert Murdoch said, uh, the Tucker Carlson, Lauren Graham said that it was disclosed in this, that looks bad for Fox. Um, so I think Fox was looking at a damaged reputation here and, and a high risk that they would be found guilty or, or in this and, and have to pay a large settlement. The other side, Dominion, is thinking, we have a really high bar here. And even though we've got the judge saying, yes, you guys at Fox lied, you obviously lied, uh, and so that that's taken out of the hands of the jury. The jury doesn't have to decide whether you were telling lies or not. You told lies. However, the next part of the bur burden from New York Times versus Sullivan is that Dominion has to show that they either recklessly disregarded or maliciously went forward with the lies. It's a, it's a now, real high a bar. It's a real high bar, right? It's a really high bar. And, you know, while all the... the and so they were gambling that with the, the release of some of the, the tapes and disclosures and things that they at least in the public's mind did that so both of them had a very high risk gamble and then your, your question about the dollar amount you know it, it's effectively half of what the lawsuit asked for 1.6 billion and they settled for just under 800 million um, which seems like a big concession on the part of Dominion until you take into account that by this settlement, Dominion is going to get the money now. So if you present value $1.6 billion for a four-year period, thinking about how long it would go through the appeals process, they're probably going to get fairly close to what they wanted in actual dollars. Now, Brandon, you're, talk, you're talking more. like a guy who, who thinks there still was a real interest rate. Four years from now, the interest rate was zero. 
but didn't uh, wasn't there some? And this is I heard this rumor, uh, and I'm not expecting you guys to be up on every s- stitch of this. But didn't something come out recently in one of the other suits, like the Smartmatic or something, that really was a smoking gun against Fox, where they just said that they threw in a towel? I, I, I read that someplace. Uh, I, I don't remember that. I mean, some of the some of the uh, text messages of the uh, of the Fox host was pretty damaging. Where uh, you know they said, "Well, give us the information, give us some support, give us anything," and it wasn't done. And then they still went on even after that discussion with uh, conspiracist theories of of Sidney Powell or Rudy Giuliani or Mike Lindell or who have you, and continue to hammer Dominion as the the perpetrator of this fraud even though they knew that there was no evidence. The other thing is that, you know, at the time of the 2020 election, there were over 60 lawsuits brought by uh, Trump and people of uh, supporting him, none of which went anywhere in court. So <clears throat> this, isn't a, this isn't a situation where um, the evidence was denied. It was the fact that in court, when Giuliani and Powell were, were put in uh, under oath, they could not produce anything that was admissible or even in existence. So, you know, that's again supports the the Dominion claim that you guys at Fox knew that you were lying when you were telling these things because there was no evidence. In fact, Sidney Powell was was up before a, a bar proceeding, and one of her defenses was that my my claims were so outrageous that no reasonable person would believe they were true. So she took she the said argument that, that in her court proceeding. So she took the, the idea that. You people should know this is not news, basically. Yeah. Well, not not only is it not news, but it's not true. Well, what is, um, from a common w- sense thing... Weren't there some issues in some of those cases of standing, though, uh, who who had standing to file the suits? And, you yeah. Know, so some of, them, you know, some of them got thrown out on a, on, not on, on the merits of the claim. Uh, right, that's true. Some of them were, some but were, some were, were issues of standing. And, and uh, that's true. But there what? were fair numbers where they got to the point where they could introduce evidence and they were asked to produce evidence and no evidence was forthcoming. Well, I, I would say that if you... This this is just me as a... Trying to inject a little common sense, not that you guys aren't. Uh, if Sorry, I don't do common sense. Yes, but I'm saying if... Say Kevin and I think that the thing was... Uh, uh, the election was rigged. Okay, like a, like a Chicago election, allegedly, or something from the past. Uh, it's... It's, it's one thing for us to talk about that. It's quite another if Brendan came on right before us and named this Dominion uh, vote counting place as being a bunch of crooks for us just to parrot what, what Brendan just said. That's really stupid on our part. Is that, is that what they're counting? That's what these other guys overstock and these other guys basically took whatever somebody else said and just kept going with it like a bunch of parrots? Well, that's also what Fox hosted. The, you know, they, they kept getting people... You know, first Rudy Giuliani would say something, then Sidney Powell would say something, and they so they would build on each other, and then they would continually harp on um, like like one of the claims of Sidney Powell was this goes back to Hugo Chavez and the Venezuelan voting machines that were designed to steal elections in 2020, and you know Chavez has been dead for a while, <laughs> but yeah. that was still one of the one of the claims that that was being made as uh, part of support. For this idea that the election was stolen, so it's unbelievable. What, um, yeah, but the big—it seems to me that the bigger issue was that you had, um, you know, text messages, etc., 
from the people who did the reporting saying I need some evidence and then not getting the evidence and still reporting it as fact. This is where the liability comes in. because And, and that goes to the claim of whether it was malicious or recklessly disregarded because of the evidence they had and kept on and going. You're, you're absolutely right on that point. And that's, those are not quite smoking guns, but they're, they may be smoking derringers. <laughs> but, how does, uh, but, but either either way, you know, it's it's one thing to go on and say, I think the election was stolen. I think this, ha you know, that that's one thing, you know, er, er, everybody's got a right to an opinion and we know all about opinions and uh, and so on. Uh, but but the, the difference is when all of a sudden you're reporting something as if it were fact, as if it were, you know, legit news, and you know it's not. That's, mm -hmm. yeah, and as Brendan said, that's, that's where it becomes malicious. But how, how do we get from... Uh, real quick, we we have a few minutes here. How do we get from Brennan? You be the attorney on this one, like you are all the time. How do we get from Kevin and I both, even though we probably have different political views in a lot of places? How do we, our opinion that some states jam this uh, mail voting first time ever? And I'm not talking about Colorado or Oregon, where Lou says they've been doing it forever and they do a good job. I'm talking about a new state doing it, and all of a sudden you. The guy signs the envelope, not the ballot. You throw the envelope out, so a, a recount is pretty much impossible. I mean, for, it's one thing for us, to, for Kevin and I to say, God, there's a lot of holes in that one. I mean, there, there, there could have been some fraud. Now, we don't know if there was or there wasn't. We're just saying it was, it was kind of sloppy, and if somebody really wanted to do fraud, it might have been easy for them. It's, a, it's one thing to, to speculate like that, which I actually honestly believe. I don't know if anybody did it. I mean, it's saying it would have been easy. Uh, how do you get from there to saying, Dominion, the guys that have the machines that are counting the votes, uh, counted the votes wrong and actually committed fraud. How, how do you get from A to B? Well, that that's a tougher tougher argument to make. That showing that Dominion has some kind of activity, some overt activity to change the numbers. That's what I'm saying. And, how did, how did Giuliani know, start with that? Where do you, where do you even find that? I, I I don't understand the the way that you can say. I mean, effectively, they're saying that this machine reads that uh, that you voted for candidate A erased the the black dot and put it for a candidate B and that you do that so quickly that that it it can't be found and it, so quickly and so um, easily that it cannot be detected that you erased one and put it in for B um, which to my way of thinking seems ludicrous uh, that you could do anything like that uh, and I mean the other way is that you have a certain number of machines that accept only uh, regardless of whether you you block A or B as your answer, it automatically registers B. Uh, again, it seems ludicrous because how do you know who's going to vote for which candidate in which voting group? So I, I don't understand the, the underlying basis for this. Um, interestingly, even in some of the states where there were audits done, I think Michigan was one, and certainly Arizona, the and Georgia, Georgia had what, three or four counts, the numbers uh, on, on re-audit did not vary substantially from what was done on election night. And by the way, Arizona has had mail-in rolling and early voting for 40 years. When I lived in Arizona in the 80s, we voted by mail. We voted early. So, you know, one of the most critical states is not one of the states that, that uh, you know, changed their laws just because of the pandemic in time for the 2020 election. They've had early mail voting in Arizona 
since at least the 1970s or 1980s. Right, Brendan, real quick. This we was got, not a new thing. We got like a minute. Now, when you voted early in Arizona years ago, how did they know it was you? And then, and, and then how I had to sign the outside of my uh, my envelope, and I put it in. Okay, so you, you signed the outside. Uh, it, see, here's, here's where I have an issue with, with all this stuff, kind of like Kevin. In Chicago, all this superfluous voting, for lack of a better term, uh, absentee ballots, all that kind of stuff, used to come to the precinct and be counted at the precinct. Because I had a friend who mm-hmm. was... A, and then all of a sudden that stopped. when uh, and, and it goes to a, to a central location and stuff. I've always felt you somehow... Now, in Arizona, when you sent it in, would it, would it have gone to the precinct you should have gone to anyway so somebody could check your signature like they do in a regular precinct? Or it seemed that that got all jumbled up pretty fast. It's my... And I'm not saying anybody rigged any election here. I'm just saying, in a lot of places, the rules kind of kind of flew for a while, or maybe even now. I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't remember what happened in Arizona 40 years ago. I do think that when the votes go in, there is somebody who checks the voting records. While it is true that when you go to your precinct, if you're going to vote in person, you go to your precinct, they do check your signature while you're standing at the table before you go into the voting booth. Right. Uh, so every precinct has a list of the registered voters in that precinct. They ask for your name, they look down, they check your signature, they check what's on the ballot that they gave you. I don't know what the process is when it's sent into the Board of Elections here in Chicago, as an example. If there's a master list that they pull up to say, yeah, this definitely is Chief's handwriting or, or Kevin's handwriting or Brendan's handwriting, it, you know, it's similar enough that we'll let it go. I think that there is a process, but I'm not positive on how that Well, every, everybody's on line now, even at the precinct, because I just voted the precinct. That's probably been, I'm going to say, two years. Other than that, there was the book. Mm-hmm. E- everybody's online, except the, the one thing that it doesn't appear that they're doing is using the same signature verification technology that banks have been using for decades. Um, there, there is online signature compare It'll outsort the suspects if something isn't perfect. It will track how your, it will, you know, it will learn how your signature changes over a period of time, so that you know if you look at my signature now versus my signature ten years ago, it might be somewhat different. But if you have, you know, if you have a copy of each time my signature came in and the slight differences, you'd have the right trend and it, it would be okay. But it, you know, anything, uh, you know some huge number of it i don't know if it's 95 percent of them or something like that is going to is going to breeze right through and not be a problem so you know one of the problems that come up comes up with mail-in voting or any kind of absentee ballot of of any kind that's put in a drop box or wherever is verifying that it's that the voter is the person you know the right person cast the vote and it's not hard to fix and nobody's talking about fixing it i think because they really don't want to well, I, I mean, both sides. I'm, I'm not sure yeah. they don't want to, but the other thing about uh, about signatures checking is that there is a difference. Uh, even if I write at this moment in three different three different ways, I take a pen and write my name on a piece of paper. I take an auto pen, like when I, I check out at the store and they sign, you know, my my credit card receipt with an auto pen, and then yeah, I use that, the same that almost looks like with me. my finger <laughs> with my finger. Uh, you know, so I mean, even if I'm doing it right in front of the person who's checking my signature, those three signatures will be vastly different. And to Kevin's point that over the years they can track it, 
the difference between me signing with the with my index finger versus holding a pen in my hand is drastically different, and yeah. uh, and that has to be taken into account too. I agree. Well, with and, and if it were drastically different, it would it would outsort and be flagged as this one needs review, um, and and that so that that's how that would work, and what's what's really uh, you know problem number two though, and and I know this from when I had. You know, clerical staff that had to had to do signature verifications on when it was manual, and and they had to do it on uh, uh, large items because we would only only verify on the large items, take the risk on the fifty dollar check, but not on the five thousand dollar check. So, um, so when they had to do it, I always had to make sure to say it has to resemble it, but you're not a signature. You know, you're not a handwriting expert, and we don't want to pass ourselves off as handwriting experts because that one will give make us a loser in court every single time. Uh, we're, That's one, right. One, one uh, final question because we're over, over time, break time here. <coughs> Brennan and Kevin, wasn't there a state that had, when they tried to do the recount, though, I'm, I'm trying to get just a, a feel for when you sent it in as they do now with your signature on the envelope, nobody wants to keep the records of how you voted, correct? So don't they at some point essentially toss the envelope so a, a recount they can't match them back up again. Was that Arizona had that problem, or somebody? Somebody. Uh, had I, that. I think it was Arizona, but it's it's not only that they throw the envelope away, but once they separate the ballot from the envelope, they don't staple the two together or keep them together with a paper clip, so that uh, even if they were to keep the envelope, there's no way to know that the envelope and the ballot match up directly. Well, you, plus, you don't really want you're not supposed to keep a record of how you voted. Nobody's supposed to know, right? Well, that's right. That that's why that's one of the reasons why you separate the envelope from the ballot when it's submitted. That you don't want to say, okay, here's Chief's ballot, here's Chief's envelope. We're going to keep these together so we know how he voted. My uh, and, and again, if you're using the technology, you could scan just the signatures. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you, you yeah. could do just that and uh, and not save the rest and and be just fine. Yeah. My uh, Brendan, remember you're uh, old enough, Doctor. Remember when you could we could do the. Uh, Kevin, you probably remember too when you could when you could do the straight vote on the machine. You just pull on the right yep. side, and every Democrat guy sure. went down. My, I, I made the mistake of driving straight my, Democratic ticket poll. Yeah, oh yeah. So my my grumpy Irish stepfather, I made the mistake of driving him up to vote one day, and then driving him to work, right? Because we were there, whatever the polls open. So we go into Quonset Hut where we used to play basketball, Kevin, and that's the voting. Yeah, place. I remember. So I get in there, and of course I'm I'm vote like I'm supposed to vote. All I hear is, "What are you doing in there? Pull, pull the right thing. Let's go. I got to get to work." I'm like, "Would, would you shut up?" <laughs> I didn't say that because I was too nice to say that. But like, would you sh- just pull the right thing and let's go? How, how would you like that for your coach, Brendan? <laughs> Uh, I've, I've heard that comment before. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, unbelievable. Anyway, Brennan, thank you very much for enlightening us. Uh, by the way, if you're a lawyer for this other group, where you're licking your chaps, Smartmatic? Or which, for Smartmatic? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. What will be very interesting, though, is to see what kind of a statement Fox will have to make. The one they made yesterday was, was pretty wishy-washy from the Dominion side that where Fox said that we admit that certain statements were false. You know, it's a long way from what they've been advocating along the way. But Smartmatic, and, and, you know, we don't know what's in the uh, in the settlement agreement. I suspect that there are restrictions on what both sides can say so that they can't claim uh, unfettered victory uh, based on, on the settlement. Because really, both of them just 
decided that they didn't want to run the risk of losing. I, I, the stakes were so high. I think, and I, I could, if I'm wrong on this, I will certainly say it uh, later, but I think something in the last couple of weeks, I got somebody, one of the listeners, somebody sent me something, uh, that something in the last couple of weeks, maybe in the Smartmatic, the other firm's discovery doomed uh, Doom Fox and the Dominion case. Something came up out of nowhere recently. Mm-hmm. But, but we'll talk about it. If, if, I, if I get that message back, we'll talk about it. Brendan, thank you very much. Kevin, we'll be right with you back after the break. SP Futures down 19, NASDAQ Futures down 93. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. Matt Byrne on the board. Kevin O'Neill with us as usual on Wednesday morning. S&P futures down 19.50. NASDAQ futures down 91.50. Uh, Dow down 103 individual stocks. We actually had Morgan Stanley is now down a buck 66, even though they beat on revenue and earnings, I think. Uh, but you know, a lot of these stocks of uh, one bank or one person in the industry has good earnings. They all go up kind of in sympathy, and even though the other guy beats, maybe he didn't beat it by as much, and they actually go down. It's his earnings plays are kind of tough to deal with. Matter of fact, last night, Netflix was down 30-some bucks. Came back to be up a little bit. Now this morning, it's down three. So uh, they came out with less less new subscribers than people thought they were going to have, but then they, they stabbed it over to a lot of BS, and all of a sudden, the stock came back 30 bucks. So there you have it. Um, in Asia, we've got the uh, Nikkei down 52 points, 0.2%, almost flat. Hang Seng down 282, 1.4% as this thing continues. Up, down, up, down. 20,367, so still over 20,000. Shanghai down 23.7%. We're in Europe, we've got the DAX down 36.2%. FTSE down 21.2%. Kekaran down 4, call that flat. So it's down, but not hardly anything. Uh, as a way of review, yesterday the Dow was down 10, S&P up 3, NASDAQ down 4. Very boring flip-flop kind of day, but not much movement really. Sort of anyway, we are... Every day, every day now, about the last four or five, we're coming back on the close, and I don't know if it's part of uh, people moving some money out of banks, maybe moving into the market, but it sure looks like we have some mutual fund buying on the close, which we haven't had in quite a while. But it sure looks like it's 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 smelling like we're having that now. Uh, bonds up five base points, three point six two. We have uh, bonds down this morning, and the rates up. The bond up three basis points, two point five zero. Japan unchanged at point four eight. We've got oil. Down a buck fifty nine, under eighty bucks, seventy nine twenty seven. So the continual oil's going to one twenty, guys. Uh, let's just say there they may be, they may be early or they may be wrong, one or the other, mm. to, to be determined. The Brent down one sixty nine. That's a big move, eighty three oh eight. Natural gas down three cents, two thirty three. Our Bob down five cents, two sixty nine. As the price on the pump continues to go up, so we've got that going for us. Gold, ouch, down thirty seven bucks, nineteen eighty two. Over under 2,000. The dollar is, uh, is actually going up today. Silver down 49 cents, 24.77. Copper down 5 cents, 403. And sure enough, we do have the dollar uh, up with the with the pound down to 109 from 110. It's down 53, about a half a percent on both the euro and the and the British pound. Actually, more on the euro. Um, Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.42 a.m. on April 19th, 2023. Uh, this morning in Chicago, mostly cloudy skies, 44 degrees currently. Expect mostly cloudy with some sunny skies today and a high of 76. Right now in Phoenix, partly cloudy, 65 degrees currently, a high of 81 later on. Sunny skies for the current seven-day forecast. Phoenix, though, is under an aerial flood warning due to a scheduled release from the Bartlett Dam into the Salt River. According to the Arizona Department of Water Resources, it is due to heavy snow buildup from last winter. In the MLB yesterday, White Sox in a doubleheader with the Phillies. Game 1 to Phillies, 7-4, to four, and Game 2 to Sox, 3 to nothing. 
Cubs won as well, 4-0 against Oakland Athletics, and Diamondbacks beat Cardinals at 8-2-7. Today, all teams back for a rematch this afternoon. Last night in the NBA, Suns won in Game 2 of the West first round. Final score, 123 to Clippers, 109. So for now, Chief, back to you. The uh, Salt River, man, why don't you dig that up? What, uh, there's a couple of dams. The first dam, dam, I believe, is a Teddy Roosevelt dam out there. Mm. Uh, why don't you throw that up on the map? Let's see if we can get that. Kevin, yeah. it's, a, uh, it's a study in statistics, which is what you, uh, you were good at. Um, I used to go down there every year for... Uh, spring training and turns out we had a lot of clients down there so i'm pretty familiar i haven't been there in a while but i'm pretty familiar with that area and you don't the, still have the peoria office there do you uh no uh jan retired uh we still have a lot of clients from there they just come through yeah. here it's too bad because i think you know that that's a, a regular business expense <laughs> oh, legitimately well, business done. expense trip to phoenix would be nice and i think there's there's got to be some kind of stocks and doc jocks angle where you could drag me with you the uh it's a uh, Oh, we had uh, Jan, Jan Neal, uh, terrific guy. Uh, he retired, and uh, and he, but he's a massive audiophile. He's he's the one person in the world we could almost you could almost put him and Dave Murphy in a ring together. As scary as it may seem, you know, he's the three or four thousand album guy, just like Dave. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, got some room in his house designed with I don't know how many turntables and the whole oh, bit. Wow. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Dave has the same setup, but uh, those guys are. Uh, Let's put it this way: put those two knuckleheads in a in a car from here to Seattle. When they got there, they'd be pissed they got there. <laughs> they'd be talking music the whole way. Uh, but uh, kind of in- interesting. Um, where else was I going with this? Do you want to hear about the uh, Theodore yeah, Roosevelt yeah, Dam? Yeah, yeah. It's that's also located on the Salt River, uh, located uh, in uh, northeast of Phoenix, Arizona. Well, the, when that dam was put up, the, mm-hmm. r- the river was dry, so all the all the road it was the weirdest looking thing. You drive the, r- the railroad bridge would be over this spot where a river like used to be mm. <laughs> and then all the highway bridges and actually the highway then the, finally they said screw it and just had highways that went through the r- the river bed oh wow and the idea was only a hundred year storm w- <laughs> would you have to let water out of the dam yeah. so i'm gonna say that 10 years i went down there once or twice a year kevin there were there was water in the river probably three of the 10 years so yeah. instead of once every hundred years it was like once every three years and it was kind of weird because they'd gotten used to some of the roads being on the floor, which obviously you could lo- use if they were totally underwater. And all of a sudden, you'd see this railroad bridge. It actually was a bridge with water under it. Was, it was the strangest looking thing. But the, it seems 100 years came too soon. Yes, yeah, so 100 years came too soon. It was, uh, it was just an estimate. Just an <laughs> estimate. Uh, um, a, lot of, a lot of stuff... Uh, a lot of crazy stuff going on, uh, Kevin, in the market. Yeah, before we, yeah. before we get away from the voting stuff, though, um, you know, I... Personally, I think it needs to change, um, and I, but I don't anticipate it changing. And really, the only way, it, because it's generally the Republicans complain about you know Democratic uh, methods, and it, you know, and and not necessarily about things that are illegal. So they they, they complain about ballot harvesting. They complain about how. Um, uh, you know how how ballots are distributed, mass distributed in targeted areas, and so on. And honestly, the only way they're ever going to get anything to change, if they want it to change, is get really good at it themselves. Do the same things that you're complaining about. Do it well. Stay legal, and you know. And then, if it if it turns to their advantage, then you will get people to talk about making changes to the systems. Well, I I think that we could. 
Well, let's talk about it for a bit because it's obviously very important. We just had an election here in Chicago, and, and the election was in April. Uh, was it April, right? April 5th. The, mm-hmm. the, the uh, runoff or the primary was in February, designed to be in a month where, let's put it this way, Kevin, anybody who thinks that both sides do not do their level best to make it as difficult as possible for the other side to vote is a moron. Right, that's a little too harsh, but they both do that. I mean, the, 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 the Democrats are going to want to stuff the ballot from their areas, and in some of the states where the Republicans, as soon as the, uh, the mail voting became available, didn't they, didn't they like half the number of precincts in some areas where people don't have cars and stuff? I mean, everybody is on this game. To think that one side's doing it versus the other. Now, you and I, I think, probably have been in agreement, although I never actually spelled it out. If we really gave a crap, if we really gave a crap, we would have the elections. It would be uh, on, a, on a time of the year when there was supposed to be good weather. We'd have the election on a Saturday and a Sunday. So both anybody whose church going is on Saturday or on Sunday, you can go. And anybody who actually cannot make it, who's out of town for a legitimate reason, has to put down the legitimate reason and has an absentee ballot. An absentee ballot should be like they used to be, 1% or 2% of the, of the stuff. In, in, in my in my opinion, and make it like in Europe. Actually, make it so convenient for people to go that they can actually get there. That's not what we do. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind about Saturday and Sunday is retail workers still have to work on Saturday. Okay, and what, what, what I'm saying, whatever it is, you can. Most of them don't have to be there at seven, and if you're there till seven, I mean, most people don't work twelve hours. Yeah, it's always going to be an issue for some person. I get yeah, it. But so we, but but I, I'm with you. You know, figure out how to make it so that everybody has the opportunity to vote in person, and then, uh, you know, because really, it's it, it it is also an exercise in you know feeling like you're you know doing your patriotic duty. Yeah. When you when you show up. Well, and I, you know, the old expression, "Hey, I'm just going to mail it in." <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah, literally. literally. Uh, well, but I mean, in Chicago, I mean, case, it, but I, I mean, I, I know, I'm not going to say Chicago is more crooked than other places, but I mean, for but a while, is, but, but go, for a while, going. but for a while, we we would have our 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 county elections. It'd be like in our mayor would be in February, and on a, on a totally. I mean, there's reasons why only thirty percent of the people show up. We want only thirty percent of the people to show up. So the county at one time, I don't know if they still do. How many people work for the county? You know, Twenty thousand, ten, fifteen. I mean, a lot probably. So okay, they. You have this election where you're minimizing the day. It's it's snowing or something, and you give the county people the day off to go vote. Well, well, duh. If, if you know if if four hundred thousand people are going to show up and you start out with twenty five thousand votes, that's a lot, right? Oh yeah, banks were closed. Yeah. To, uh, to you know, I I always felt the duty to go vote when I worked in the uh, banking business back in the days when we had the day off. As well, they're going to give me the whole day off. I probably can drag my hiney over there to vote. But if anybody says, any candidate says, you know, it's it's so important that you vote. I really don't care who you vote for. It's important for you to vote. I would say the guy's a flat out liar, guy or lady, and you shouldn't vote for him because they actually. If you're not going to vote for me, why do I want you to show up? And, I, and I'm a good guy. I mean, why would I, why would why would I not want you to stumble down the front steps if you're going to vote for my opponent? I mean, I mean, really? I mean, come on, we're all people, right, Kevin? That would uh, that would seem to be a normal thought process. Yes, <laughs> and I, you know, I, don't, I mean, if if I, I'm just just saying, hey, uh, uh, 
our friend Brendan, you know, he did he did not go to Leo High School. He went to Leo Grammar School, St. Leo on the South Side. Uh, I wonder if he's. Uh, we we should have asked him. You know, Andy McKenna, who just died, uh, the guy who was the bear uh, minority shareholder and everything, wasn't he chairman of the Notre Dame board for a while? Might have been, and I think you know, I think also um, wasn't he president or CEO of the Cubs for yeah, a while? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and he was. Uh, well, I mean, he's, he's been around doing a lot of stuff. He did a lot of work for the Tri- Tribune or something. But anyway, he's been a massive benefactor to St. Leo High School. I wonder if if they're going to be able to hang in there without him. Or if, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Brendan wasn't, you know, active in trying to figure out how they're going to, re- you know, somehow make that up to keep the place oh, open. Brendan will make it up. Uh, you know what, in terms of time and effort, I bet he, he would. I don't know. <laughs> he's got the money Andy McKenna does. But, I mean, Jim Tyree kept Marist on the map till they went co-ed, and now all of a sudden, you know, they haven't looked back. That was my high school. I mean, they were they were in trouble for a while. I mean, a lot of their areas that they drew people from uh, became areas that uh, you didn't draw people from. So uh, I'm not sure why exactly that happened. The areas obviously have changed, but uh, all the bus routes, the buses, bus companies they used to bring in were out of business. And it wasn't just uh, demographics of the area changing. It was demographics of... Uh, remember the South Suburban Safeway lines and people, they, they all went out of business, so I don't even know how you got buses there, but uh, going co-ed saved Marist. Now, Leo's in an uh, inner-city neighborhood, and they've hung together. I don't think they have more than, maybe, you know what, uh, Matt, look up, St. Leo High School, Chicago, I bet 400 kids? Mm. Uh, right now, or? Right in, now. Okay. I mean, there used, used to be a, boy, Kevin, back in the, when I was a, a youth, and my cousins were playing football for St. Rita, I mean, and you went to Loyola. Nothing. People around the rest of the country. I guess if you if you live in Texas or Ohio or Pennsylvania, you understand what I'm talking about. But the high school, Catholic high school football was 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 a way of life for these people. You know, oh, and and w- those of us in the Catholic league were like the boogeyman to everybody else in oh, yeah. the uh, state. You know, there was like these these big bad you know uh, big bad uh, guys. Uh, you know, St. Rita, uh, when when I was uh, a senior, had four guys that were first-team All-State. Um, well, they can uh, give scholarships. And, uh, one one of them was uh, Dennis Lick, who played for the Bears for quite a while, if you remember him. Yep, he hurt his knee bad uh, back yeah, in the but, day where you, you couldn't know, repair knees. But a first-round draft pick yep. who was a, a long-time starter for them. And, uh, uh, you know, a couple of others, um, uh, you know, that, that uh, they, they put some guys to – they sent several guys to Wisconsin – uh, and then uh, we had a couple of guys that, uh, you know, uh, I, I had two teammates, or actually three teammates who uh, played in the Big Ten. Um, well, the one kid went to Notre Dame, the best St. Rhea player ever, people are even better better than Dennis Lick, and he... John Foley, yeah, he, he was he was later on, yeah. But he, he had that, that shoulder industry where your injury, where you're, you catch right where the nerve is, and the nerve never comes back. The same thing happened to a uh, middle linebacker from the Bears. Same thing happened to Muckenstern, too, remember? Well, we have that number, Tom. Do you want it? Yeah. Uh, total right now, this is according to Wikipedia, from 2019 to 2020, 174. Yeah, I was in behind with the 400. It's hard to keep a place open, 174 kids. What's mm. that? Yeah. That's the, they're good nostalgia because uh, I, I think most of my, a couple of my best football games ever that I ever played in high school were against Leo. So well, they keep had, them open. Keep them open just to keep <laughs> me uh, Well, they, had, they played at that old St. Rita Stadium. Did you ever play in that yeah. place? Yeah, where the one, one end, with the, one uh, end zone. concrete walls around there. Yeah, the concrete walls were the end zones. Yeah, don't, 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 don't be the guy who has to go deep. <laughs> oh, well, Leo played Rita there one day, and I went when my cousins were playing, and I mean, I tell you, 
it was not only SRO, it was like you were on a CTA bus. It was jammed. No matter how many people the place was supposed to hold, but it had to be three times as many as that. My uncle and his buddies were up on the roof of the high school watching it from up there. I mean, it was it was like, you would, I mean, who cares? I mean, these are, how old are these kids? Six, 17, 18? I mean, it was, but boy, it was something. But the Catholic League, uh, for those that, well, how would you know, back in those days, they could give scholarships and the rest of the state couldn't, right, Kevin? I know because Marist had it was in the uh, Chicagoland Prep League. They played Viator, they played uh, Notre Dame and Niles, they played places like that. They, and they, St. Pat's, yeah. yeah. yeah they, they would never, they could never have played against St. Rita. I mean, my grammar school team was, uh, I was a seventh grader. And I, didn't, I didn't play in eighth grade because I was on a baseball all star team. Um, plus, the team was going to suck that year because. My my seventh grade team, that one seventh grader, one one guy was good enough to play a little bit. The eighth graders, I'm going to say, well, Mendel came out and offered the entire first string a scholarship. That's how good everybody was. And a couple guys ended up playing, running track. One guy ran track for Notre Dame uh, cross country or something. A couple other guys, one guy played for Michigan. The serious guys came out of our grammar school. I mean, we we were undefeated all year. Nobody could touch us. I mean, of course, I never got in a game, yeah. but. Uh, but yeah, it, I remember when Mendel was getting written up as like the best uh, team ever in the state of Illinois. Um, then, then we beat them early in the season. Uh, my buddy Bill place, Murphy but, played it, but it was but it was real muddy, and so you know we kept hearing all about how uh, how you know and we'll get a dry field and and beat them. So then we beat them again in the Catholic League Championship game. My buddy Bill Murphy went to Mendel, and he still talk about God. It's well, they they, they closed. They have a gorgeous campus in uh, in or well, they did have in Roseland. Now I think it's a public school, but. They closed, but he, you know, those guys they would, they would practice on Rainbow Beach, and then they'd go right back to school. And it was, it was, it was a way of life for those guys. He played baseball for them too, I think. Uh, anyway, but there was another school that you know back in the past. But uh, Kevin, we've got um, the amount of news in the air. Clearly, in the Chicago area here is uh, is is really strange. And I, I just I've been talking a lot with John Flanagan because he knows way more about what's going on in the city than I do. What's, what's the connection, you think? I mean, how can s- some bad stuff be happening in a lot of areas, and how does it affect the economy as a whole? I mean, how do, does, does a city like Chicago, I won't say in a death spiral, but right now it doesn't look so good. I mean, in terms of it, it, property. It looks to me like Detroit about 30 years ago. Well, there, there's, there's a major difference, I think, in investment in the two places. I mean, Detroit... Never had the gazillions of dollars worth of uh, of of rail downtown. I mean, Chicago really, other than New York. Oh yeah, because Detroit was built around the auto industry. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, other than possibly well, New York, which has the most amazing uh, uh, in, in the U.S. I'm talking about, and, and and possibly Philadelphia, which is pretty darn good. Y- you don't bleep can a, a you can't duplicate the, the transportation system here. Where somebody can effectively uh, work, and, and it is what I'm trying to get to, Kevin, is right now, today, or in the last week, last month, all we heard about is the extending the red line. Well, if you rode the red line, you'd say, "What in God's name are you doing?" <laughs> also, on the west, they did they did a huge survey last week. We heard this: the Cal, the uh, the west line stops in, I don't know, uh, Matt, look it up. We have where, where the the west Burlington, the northwestern west line, or one of them stops in. Uh, I don't know, Antioch or some damn place out there. Well, it's not very much further to DeKalb. And DeKalb is a pretty good-sized town. And by the way, Northern Illinois University is in DeKalb. 
So they've, they've just did this big study in the last couple of weeks about how if you extended their train line, or if the train goes to DeKalb, the question, the, the, the tracks are already there. If you extend the passenger service to De, DeKalb, I mean, what do you do? And the, and, the, and the surveys came back incredible. What it would do to the enrollment in northern Illinois, if you could take the train there and get picked up by a bus, what it would do to people in DeKalb being able to uh, commute to Chicago or the western suburbs. Uh, it, the numbers are dramatic. So I don't see how, how, you, how you can possibly let the down The downtown area has such a dramatic advantage, you would think. And yet, somehow it's it's working the, the wrong way. You, you can't let that happen. Can we, how could you possibly duplicate that infrastructure? Especially at a time when you want less people driving. Well, I, I, I don't know that you can uh, duplicate it. The problem, Tom, is that we, we've gotten a weird ideology around uh, crime. What, what, you know, why more than it? anything else and and I don't you know I don't fully understand it it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, but uh, you know it, it's it, it's manifesting itself. just just look at Walmart's departure you know closing a bunch of stores and you know the same people who oppose them opening stores are now out there saying they can't leave um, they shouldn't be allowed to leave. Um, so, so you have that problem. They're creating food deserts for people uh, who, like you, as you were mentioning earlier, you talk about transportation for voting. You talk about transportation for, for going to get, you know, to, uh, basically going to get a week's groceries. Yeah. And so you're creating these, uh, these food deserts for the people who can least afford to have them because they, they don't have reliable transportation to go get things. You're not going to do get on the bus with a week's worth of groceries and if you do somebody's going to take them from you well and it's probably going to be someone who was arrested and, and released earlier in the day so uh, you know so you've got this real problem but there's there's some videos out there of what the looting has looked like at places like walmart mm-hmm. this it, it's no wonder that they're closing them so we're just you know in in chicago it's they're making intentional decisions Without understanding, either without understanding the ramifications, or just not caring about them. I, you know, Kevin, I wonder, and I don't want to. It's hard. First of all, I honestly believe there's no such thing as a as a as a dumb human being. They might not know what you know in some areas or something. But I listen to the people that have been bitching about the Walmart, and this is not. God, it sure as hell isn't a racial thing. But these are people that are in charge of either like the aldermen or this, that, and the other thing. I I don't think these people are capable of going through the balance sheet or the income statement at Walmart. Now, of course, Walmart can do whatever they want with the income statement. They can make any store look like it's making money or losing money. I mean, I, I get that. I could, I could do that for them. But the idea that the attitude is they have no right to do this without running it by me. They, have, they, haven't, they haven't talked to us. Who, who the hell are you? Mm. This idea that you somehow as the new alderman or the community organizer get to tell people whether they get to open or not and what they get to carry... This is America. Get, people get to do that on their own. If you don't want to shop there, you don't you just don't go. Yeah. You know, I mean, this idea that I can't believe it. Well, the one guy, Walmart has disrespected me. Who, who the hell are you? <laughs> you? You didn't put a dime in that place. You think Walmart's happy to spend millions of dollars and pick up and leave? I mean, I you know I, I mean I'm not siding with Walmart because I don't know the numbers. Okay, and I don't know what the 
the deal was. I don't know how much money they got from the city to start it. Maybe none, maybe some. But all- I, I don't even think you have to look at the numbers, Tom. I think you just have to look at the videos of the stores, videos and pictures of the stores that have been looted and what's that like, and it's especially when it's multiple times. I mean, th- we're, not, we're not talking about someone walking in and stealing stuff. We're talking about mobs of people going into stores and just trashing. Well, how, bad, how bad did the, the one, I don't, I don't know where the other three are, the small Walmarts. There's one big Walmart and three small, small Walmarts. Um, we got a, we got a dash here in a second, but the, the the big one is on 83rd Street, 83rd and Stewart. I drive by that all the time. It was when I had soft to get my truck fixed. But I, that's kind of my hood or my old hood. There's a big Lowe's there. There's two or three other stores. I don't I don't I don't remember. I mean I don't know specifically that that place was a target of looting. The other three were the smaller ones. I'm guessing those probably were more likely because they're more on Main Street. This one, you actually have to pull into this big parking lot. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know the situation of the place. Maybe it just was never any good in the first place, or maybe it's... I mean, I don't know. But I I would say that if they're making money, Walmart would not leave. Uh, but as, as to the whole history and the story of the place, you know, I kind of don't know. I'm a, a week or two's uh, notice doesn't seem like a lot, but then again, what's the difference, whether it's a two weeks or six months, right? Mm. By the way, I believe uh, that line is uh, Union Pacific West to Union Elburn. Pacific West? Just to clarify, oh, yeah. Thank you. No problem. All right, Ken, we'll talk more about this on Friday because I'm sure there'll be more news about it. we got to get to Russell. Thanks, buddy. SP All Futures right. down 26, NASDAQ is down 109. Real quick break, we got Russell, Russell Rhodes waiting in the wings. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. Oh, I'm Ed Byrne on the board. So which of those two guys would you say Russell is? Is he uh, Rick or is he Louie? It's mm, a tough one. Uh, what would you say? Louie maybe? I think he'd look really good in that uniform Louie. Yeah, you never know. Because he's a cardigan kind of guy. What's the difference between a uniform and a cardigan? Yeah. Would you ever try one of those gotta hats? got to be color coordinated. He got a great hat too, didn't he? Louie? Mm. <laughs> Definitely, but he was—he was actually was he uh was was he what was he anyway? Uh, was he was he was the head of police of the a private head of police in Casablanca, right? He wasn't a Vichy officer, was he? Mm. 
You know, actually, yeah, I, he yeah. was. You know, he he was one of those guys playing both sides. Oh yeah, it was. I, he was you know what? He, he, the, the, what a perfect segue. He he was just like all the politicians that are allowing everything to go to crap because they're he's just worried about himself. Yep. Yep. Why? Uh, what a wonderful analogy there. After after what we were just talking about. <laughs> well, you know it, it, the thing that's weird, uh, Russell, and I, I sure as hell don't want because I I was never. I mean, I. I, I won't say I dodged. I, di- I dodged the army because my my lottery number was three hundred six. Uh, um, but it's it's sort of interesting. I I do re- recall not that people were ever, you know, it's not like they didn't have a bunch of you know there were crooks in society and people got a little something here and there. I mean, people don't change much. But uh, I remember my stepfather, who was the, uh, you know, he was good guy, good moral guy, a little grumpier than he needed to be. Not much sense of humor, but. Uh, you know, he he would tell me he goes you know time when I was in the army, and he was in when he was seventeen. Matter of fact, he was supposed to go. I think he got his orders. He, he was probably as young as you can be, and, and be in in World War Two. So he was like seventeen in nineteen forty five, and he just gone through training to be a navigator. I think, and uh, uh, the two bombs got dropped, and I think I think my brother knows better. I think he already had his orders to go someplace, Okinawa or somewhere, and then they leap can the orders because the, the, the war ended between the time he I think got the letter and then or whatever you used to get your orders and uh, before he was supposed to actually take off uh, so he never actually went anywhere but he was in there for a while and I don't think he was in there for more than a year to let everybody go um, anyway, but he told me he said, you know beauty about being in the army is uh, you learn how to work with people that you don't even that you never would have before and maybe you don't even uh-huh. like and maybe you don't even like but you have to work with them to get it, to get whatever you're trying to do done. He says you learn how to do that, and you know. And he he never he never forgot that. I mean, as as, uh-huh. as odd as he could be in a lot of ways, he used to bring me down to work, and I was a little kid. God, Russell, his his accounting department looked like the goal of every person who ever wanted diversity. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, no, you, I guess I, I I can totally see that, and that um my. My dad was did a very short stint, kind of like that. He he got pulled in for the Korean War, and then they signed. The, I mean, then they they called a truce because that war's still going on technically. Yep. Uh, so she he was involved in the logistics of bringing people back instead of actually having to go over there and and work in the motor pool or, or something along those lines. But my dad was always a big proponent of universal military indoctrination. And part of that, which is what they do, like over in Israel, uh, yep. and I, I think that would solve so many problems as far as uh, people being able to understand each other a bit better, and and you know being able to work together a bit better as well. I would agree. I'm not so sure that everybody has to be. My vision, of course, the thing about guys like you and me that that are are traitors at heart. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, I. I'm I'm willing to my my biggest problem with the, with the way people govern in this country is I'm willing to try just about anything that sounds like a good idea, give it six months a year two years and then all sit down together and say did it work or did didn't? that work yeah and, you know just <laughs> what you just like a position let's try this time spread after three days you go this one's not working let's get it into something that looks better I I, I don't think there's a for me making a decision and try, trying something and having it go sour. 
and, and trying something else, I don't think that's a black mark on somebody necessarily, unless they're not you know stealing money from it. I don't. I, I think that's that's leadership to a lot, but that's not the way it is now. If you ever admit to a mistake, boy, you know, good luck with you. It's like I mean, well, and and then you don't admit your mistake. You know, it'd be nice if you make a mistake and you admit your mistake. Um, yeah, I was I was my my mind's all over the place now all of a sudden but um when was the last time you remember a uh you know a, a leader of our country getting up and saying you know the buck stops with me and i make you know and and you know this is on me well but i mean there's a i think you know, somehow there, there's a difference russell you there's a there's a difference between being i'll go back to my trader example there's a difference between putting on a uh Putting on a good spread, say, or a good trade, and having it work, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can sit there and and, and maybe you you find a calendar spread that uh, the one you're buying is a is an implied volatility of thirty, and the one you're selling is a implied volatility of forty, and the spread should cost you two bucks, and by your by your count, it's costing you a buck and a half or a buck buck and a quarter, and you put it on. Well, hell, the stock could go to zero, and you could lose your whole buck and a quarter. Doesn't doesn't make it. A, a bad don't idea. Make it a bad trade. Don't no. make it a bad idea. No, it just things, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't. But if you don't, otherwise you're just frozen, and all you all you do is criticize everybody that, else. Well, that that's that, and that's where we're at. That's we're and we're at that in a lot of places, uh, and probably more so than we used to be because when you fail, it's extremely public and it kind of never goes away. Well, you I would know? I would uh, go it, with it used to be. Used to be if you were a you were a hedge fund guy and and you know you had a, a misstep, uh, you know you could probably get get hired somewhere else within a year easily within a year usually because the belief is you're not going to make that big mistake twice. Yeah. But I think because those things are much more public than they used to be, uh, and live on forever because you're going to get ripped left and right on social media if you blow up a fund. Uh, it's probably more difficult for those people to land on their feet again. Well, so there's the 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 risk behind being wrong in our day and age is probably a lot worse than it used to be. A lot harder to recover from things like that, which means people are, you know, like what you just said. That you're you're more frozen uh, with respect. You're thinking more of the downside a bit more. You're also thinking, you know, if I mess up once, I'm I'm done, as opposed to, you know, being able to trip over yourself a few times and then come out well at some point. Yeah, we, we know, you and I know, and I think most people that have, uh, reflect it all, you know that most successful entrepreneurs probably are not successful in their first try. Oh, gosh, no. And they try it again. They have the stones to try it again. Yeah. yeah. Male or female. They I mean, they, they just say, no, I, I want to, I, I have vision and I'm going to try it again and these are the mistakes I made last time. I'm might make some new ones, but I'm not going to make those again. And who knows? Second or third try, all of a sudden, uh, you're off to the races, right? It's uh, yeah. But I, the thing you were just talking about, I, I would love to see. Just you know, not maybe would work, maybe it wouldn't. I would love to see, not just not just in uh, you know certain neighborhoods in the city. Uh, anybody, I would like maybe the first summer. You know, you and I. I'm not. I mean, I'm not all that good with kids, but maybe we have 300 kids. You know, uh, six groups of fifty or whatever the optimum group would be, and we go for a ten-week thing. Maybe four of the weeks we actually mm-hmm. have a spot where you stay there all, all day, and uh, some sort of a you know 
pre-army training, <laughs> army training, sir, pre-army training, but then maybe uh, how to plant trees, how to clean up areas, uh, and, you, and the kids could either go towards more of a pre-ROTC program or go with more of a uh, environmental program or whatever. After a, a month, everybody could choose what they wanted to do. You got to get people out of the summers here a little bit. Not, and I don't want. I don't want. Oh every, yeah, I mean that. Yeah, but I don't want everybody. Yeah. I don't want everybody just from areas you know that people are talking about. I want. I want people from the good areas to go so everybody can can get together and say, you know what, you're not so bad. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't get see what get all mingled up there. I don't see how yeah. you know try something like that. And after you know, after one summer, you might say it wasn't worth it. But so what? You at least. You, you, you figured out what worked and what didn't. You you know more at the end of the summer than you did in the beginning. You might say, okay, the, the the four weeks that we that we had people stay here, it was pretty good. But once we put them back in in areas where there was all kinds of crime, or not, or even in regular areas, uh, that somehow it didn't work when we when we took everybody on a bus here in the morning and took them home at night. Or maybe it does work. Maybe that's better. Maybe trying to trying to keep people here for two weeks and you know in bunk in bunk houses basically maybe that didn't work but you're not, not going to know until you try all we know is what's going on right now isn't working that that to me seems pretty obvious yeah so i don't i mean but we don't seem to have sort of any of that russell but what what no no not at all and it's, you know it's funny when you uh what you just said with respect to um you know something to do in the summer uh you know families that that had migrated to chicago from mexico they they would send their kids home every summer yeah you know if they weren't in school they were back home part of it was was a safety thing um you know it's probably more difficult to go back and forth relative to what it used to be but part of it was a safety thing but part of it was um there's really nothing going on so you know i got to go to work every day somebody's keeping an eye on my kid and they would they'd send them home and the same thing, you know, there's this huge migration trail from Mississippi through my hometown of Memphis to Chicago. And there used to be a lot of that in the African-American community as well, as you'd send your kids home to Mississippi for the, um, or, you know, two relatives in Mississippi for the summer. Because, again, uh, nothing to do in Chicago but get in trouble in the summertime if you got nothing going on. And we, we saw it with our first way. It's every year, first warm weekend, uh, God knows I'm not going downtown. Right. Well, you know, it's the, the the you know the video of uh, jumping on the bus and all that kind of crap. That's a seasonal thing here. Uh, what's, you know, I could what, be prepared. What's, I could be prepared. I'm going to say it's, hear that it's going to get up to eighty it, in it's any, April. It's we'll every season. It. Every season, except if it's below thirty degrees. Yep. But you know, man, that that first warm weekend is a nightmare. Oh yeah. You know, you know, what I'd, lo- I'd love to try one of my uh, my roommate. One was still. Good friend, I haven't seen him in a while, but he lives in Colorado. Retired from uh, uh, NOAA, and he he was one of the. Remember when we were all worried about ozone? We don't worry about that anymore. He was one of the yeah. dudes that would be in a DC eight plane flying over the ozone holes and stuff. And then he uh, was part of a you know damn near a worldwide study of uh, oxygen generation versus CO two carbon dioxide. For those that don't know what that is. Uh, and, it, and they, they found out all kinds of stuff that people had never thought before. For instance, like everybody thinks that, I, mean, I don't, I don't want to see the rainforest disappear, right? But the idea that that's a huge oxygen generator is totally BS. Because, yeah, because t- old trees don't do much. Yeah, well, old trees just have a bunch of termites in them puking out carbon yeah. dioxide, right? Yeah. So, but I, I wonder if you could, and I asked him what, 
what you could do tomorrow about global warming and CO2, he said, plant a million trees a year. So I, I wonder if you could take, let's say, 50 kids or, you know, whatever, uh, guys and girls, and say, let's take a uh, two or three square mile area in the forest preserve, fly, mm-hmm. fly a bunch of drones over it, get an get a oxygen count of every piece of the place, go out there, clean up all the underbrush as best you could, all the stuff that's just hanging around and you know, waiting to be a fire or something. Uh, wherever you could, plant new stuff, especially trees that, that uh, uh, don't crowd, you know, crowd out things underneath them. And two and three years from now, fly all the drones over again with the oxygen meters. I bet you could, you could turn the oxygen count way high. But you won't be able to know until you try it. You right. know, I bet you could do that. And, and what what would be the harm in in planting a whole bunch of trees everywhere? Right, but plus the- I, I I'm I, you know, if from a risk management standpoint, I I I just don't see why it would be a problem. Well, then not to mention you're talking about fifty kids that now learn how to plant stuff. By the way, you know maybe maybe learn how to rake up stuff. <laughs> I don't. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, the question is, I wonder what you would do with the old stuff so that you didn't just. You just cart your CO2 makers away. Would you have to grind it up and make mulch out of it? Or what What could you do to where it doesn't decay? I mean, making the oxygen is easy with planting the new stuff, but what do you do with the old stuff so you don't, you don't just you know, move the CO2 somewhere else? I don't know. See, there, there's our downside. Well, and, I mean, I, I bet somebody know, has the answer to I that. I don't know the science behind that one. Don't they uh, Don't they make particle board basically out of yeah, yeah. ground? You know, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Sure, there's got to be a way to... sure there is something we could do with it. Yeah. You know, All right. I'm so sure now there's an industrial use of sawdust. Oh yeah. That, you know, um, you know, you sawdust da- for it for, for my oldest daughter, the one you met. Um, she and I did so- she and I did the 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 did a volunteer thing a few weeks ago where we did the the first step of what you're talking about in one of the forest reserves, where this time of year they clear all the stuff out, so they'll be ready to plant stuff when things start to warm up. Or I mean, it was. Um, it was in December, <laughs> so I guess more than a few weeks ago. Where, where, where are you? We always... are freezing our butts off, but we help clear all the stuff where they're going to come in behind and, and do the planting about this time. How come you always get to be volunteered for this? What, what if she wants to become a bullfighter? Do you have to go out there and try with her? I, uh, you know, I am most like if she's going to be the bullfighter, I'm most likely the one that's warm enough to bull for her or something like that. Oh, good. Because because they're my kids, man. I know. And I know. I have the, you know, I have the time and the desire, and if they they're interested in something, I'm all in. I know, but if you if you you know she wants to become a high wire walker, it doesn't mean you have to. Hey, dude! If you recall, last summer, my younger daughter, who wants to to do a better wants to come up with a way to to do a better job of predicting tornadoes. We chase tornadoes I know, yeah. for a week. Like you know, I will do anything. <laughs> I know you will. By the way, how come you didn't go? How come you didn't go this year? You'd have to go further south. They're all further oh, we south. No, I think we're going to go this year. Right? We're, we're actually we're we're starting to plan that one out. <laughs> really? Well, now yeah. uh, is 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 has the tornado track actually moved further south, or is it just uh, earlier in the year? It 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 feels like it's earlier. It really does. Um, okay. She would she would be the one that uh, maybe we should get her on one day. Oh, I'd love to talk to her about that stuff. I'd yeah. love to. We had a. Uh, uh, she I, she'll blow your mind away with that. You know what? What you you keep griping about me not coming downtown. Um, I'm gonna yank her butt out of bed at some point this summer, and I'll bring her down, and we'll talk all. Well, we had, talk about tornadoes for an hour. We had Katie Rather on two weeks ago talking about her, what she was doing at Loyola, and I tell you what, it was a breath of fresh air. 
your daughter's the same way. I'll, 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 I'll re, uh, we'll make Matt research tornadoes so you and I can just sit there and he can. <laughs> oh, make, I love tornadoes. He can. Uh, okay. There <laughs> she, you go. She, well, love is a strong word, but. Yeah. She, uh, dude, uh, we, uh, next time I'm down there, I'll show you pictures of it. But, I mean, we were standing in a field and it, with a tornado just about a mile and a half off. Wow. Wow. Like in the middle of the night, like in Montana or something. And it was, I, I've never heard the kind of sounds that I heard out of it. What did it sound and like to you? It was just it was just jaw dropping. May I ask you what it sounded like? Yeah. So I mean, it, they say it sounds like a freight train. I've always heard uh, that. Yeah. It, it's more of an evil howl in Ooh. my mind than a freight train. What were you going to do if it turned and, and made for you? Well, we were with experts, and they knew what we were doing. Ah. Yeah, Ex- they'd only had one incident the past few years. That's all it takes. Yeah. Well, well, they were in a van, and it got picked up and turned over. I remember so you wear your seatbelt. You wear your seatbelt in the van. <laughs> I remember uh, years ago they had guys that were doing something different than what you were doing. They actually wanted to research, you know, how how strong the winds were and stuff, and they would drive into them. But they they ended up. I think they started out with a like a Brinks truck and then padded the inside and had seat belts and stuff. But they actually had the thing was loaded with instruments. They they were trying to get inside of one. Hey, yeah. hey, I don't think you're ready for that. I know I'm not. Um, yeah, I think they also kind of looked like a stealth plane because they they had a bunch of panels on it that supposedly kept the wind from picking picking it up. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. You might want to try that one with a robot before I'm the guy in there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what we have all kinds of things economically going on cities, counties. Uh, we have uh, stuff happening in the city. We have stuff happening countrywide. We've got uh, the Fed throwing all that money in to save the banks and I have a feeling you've been doing some research on some of these banks why it looks to me and, and I'm usually the one that is you know chicken little the sky is falling it looks to me on this bank thing um, Russell that the one bank that should have been regulated out of business five years ago the Bozos and, and Simi whatever it was Silicon Valley uh, that to me that's a total uh, degradation of the you know, that's a that's a that's the Fed working from home and not doing their job, if you ask me. And I know it's a little, little nasty, but well, and I think it's it's the Silicon Valley Bank people working from home as well. Yeah, they they you know they they didn't even have a head risk manager, uh, and the risk management department was scattered around. Uh, you know, you're, I I I physically know where you're sitting right now, and if something popped up in one of your accounts, there are a couple of people that you shout out immediately and to, and you guys figure it out. Yep. And that was the situation even during COVID because you guys were going in there, right. um, and that's how it should be. Uh, if you've got you know if you've got a bank and things are turning and things can turn very quickly, uh, you can't schedule a Zoom meeting in three days to talk about it no. because it's going to be too late. So uh, I think I, I I really do believe in you know if I'm right I'll get no credit whatsoever. If I'm wrong I'll definitely hear about it if there's another shoe to drop. But th- I really do believe this was very much of a company-specific thing, and does not real does not warrant any new laws. It may warrant some people getting slapped on the wrist for not doing a good enough job, you know, my, you know, overseeing the bank at the Fed, at the Federal Reserve level. But this this was very much of a company-specific well, the, the, thing. The late, I don't, the you late. know, and, and and if I hear somebody on one of the business networks use the phrase "banking crisis" again. Um, I will never watch that network again. By the way, uh, that's exactly, we'll talk a little bit more about this specific spot, but after break, 
that was the theme I wanted to talk to you about today. Because uh, I'm not supposed to do this on radio slash podcast, but I agree with you totally on this bank. Now the question is, an awful lot of people are, are starting to use this term banking crisis. And the question is, I, I you know, honestly, Russell, let's talk about mm-hmm. after, let's talk about after break because I got more questions about this particular place. Mm. I think they're seeing something we're not, and I'm wondering what it is. And I, we'll, we'll, I'm going to speculate on that a little bit after the break. But before that, the if you if you kicked up the the uh, officers at this bank, first person that went after first person, third person that popped up is this lady, very attractive blonde lady. Uh, uh, forget her name. I got her. I got her here in my record someplace. That was the risk officer because the big joke was she had a humanities degree from Stanford and she worked five or ten years from the Fed and blah blah blah. Now two weeks later, she's scrubbed. She's not on there anymore. But I still have the, the bi- biography. Now, so I've heard two schools of thought. Is one they didn't have somebody for a while and just hired her, or she had left six months ago and they never replaced her. I, I don't know what happened to her, but there, but there was a person, there was a face attached to that position when you the first day this happened and you looked at their at their people inside. Now people say they didn't have a risk officer. Well, they had one on their site. Now, I don't know if she'd left or if she hadn't been hired yet or what, but they, she, she was there. She was relatively new. My understanding is, is there was not a person in place from... Uh, sometime in the first or second quarter or late first quarter uh, early second quarter of 2022 to January of this year okay so they did they didn't have a head they, the, the job was vacant while this situation was developing you know odds are she showed up and my understanding is um, they were aware of, of what they, they they were aware of what was going on much earlier than um, you know, that then when when it all hit the fan, they realized that there was this possibility. But the possibility, the thing only occurred if everybody started wanting to withdraw their money. And when people started withdrawing their money, lo and behold, there's a problem there. Well, I had some I had dinner with uh, Fed people last week, or a couple, and I said, "Okay, you've introduced me to people here in the Chicago area uh, that if all of a sudden those kinds of wires start to go at nine oh one in the morning." They're going to know about it at nine oh five, and they're yeah. going to say, and they're going to say, yeah. "What the bleep?" They're going to be calling somebody. Now, is the somebody was the somebody at home? Was the somebody in Europe? <laughs> you know, was the somebody just not picking up the phone? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, is it somebody that's working from home in a cabin in Oregon, and they just happen to be on the front porch drinking their coffee, taking in the view instead of working? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but somehow or another. Yeah. $40 billion piled out of this place before somebody did anything. I mean, and, you know, and, and I don't know anything about this woman. I don't know, it, but but if if her only experience was on the Fed side, that mean, that probably means that she had not been in a situation um, on the bank side before where, you know, you've had to react to things. But every... I doubt there was anybody that had experience reacting to stuff like this partially because it hasn't happened in some time but also because you know it just it but appears do, like they were not putting as much emphasis on risk management as they should but how does how does anybody again Kevin worked for a bank so he probably should be here but I mean you know you you have you have you have your peeps I don't have any peeps uh, but I'm gonna say that on a, on a given day statistically 
uh, well, I'm going to just lob a couple numbers out here, and you tell me if I flunked the test. I'm going to say that any given day, a, a, any bank could take a 10% shift in money. Maybe a money center bank because uh, they might they might have $300 million from an exchange overnight that all of a sudden is not there the next night. Maybe they can uh-huh. absorb a 12% move in money in any given day. But I'm going to say there isn't a bank around that liquidity-wise can handle, especially if people come in and demand cash, can demand a, can take a 15% run. So some, oh, no. So somebody, no, no. And the, none of them could really. And I had that thought in the back of my mind while I was talking that no banks are really set up for, for the situation that they had to deal with. Problem was they were in much worse shape. Right, but hold, hold that thought till after break. Even, you know, even if you did a one-day pause where they could, you know, sell some of the stuff and be prepared for it, they their asset to liability mix was so freaking bad that there, there was even a pause well, would they, not have helped them. But I'm saying we, we had to break here, but if it's if it's Russell's bank and all of a sudden it's five minutes after nine and you've already reached this five or ten percent level, I'm going to say Russell really wants to know about it, and he's going to limit withdrawals to 100000 bucks a piece or 50000 a piece for the rest of that day till he could go to another bank and borrow more liquidity or talk to the exactly. Fed about what he should. You don't, you don't just have 25% of your stuff out the door and then say, yeah, I think we have a problem. I mean, somehow or another, <laughs> I don't see how that works. Yeah. SP Futures down 25, NASDAQ Futures down 109. Be right back, Stocks Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right now, right here, right now, right now. Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Talk to them. Ask them questions. Ask them rhetorical questions. Doesn't matter. Anything. Just get a yes out of them. If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Hello, welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. Down tomorrow, Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 27, NASDAQ Futures down 115. Every time you play that, Matt, I get the shivers because the the uh, the same way the marketing works for stuff like that, get people saying yes, mm-hmm. is the same way despots and, and, and dictators, nasty ones, used to do, used to yeah. do their political speeches, <laughs> get people agreeing with them. And when you get to the end, the conclusion is something way off base, but you already mm-hmm. got people on a roll. It's just like improv. You say yes and, yes and, and you get it a, a whole new conclusion I, than you're I, starting with. I would, I, would, I would love to hear some of the theory on that someday. <laughs> we'll make you talk one of these days. Yeah, we'll, why we'll not? Dow Futures down 108. Uh, we're not looking so good here this morning. We're in Asia. Now, these guys aren't changing, but they were down 52 with the Nikkei. It's only 0.2, not much. Hang Seng was down 282, 1.4%, but still over 20,000. Up 1.5%, down 1.5%. That's what they've been doing now for months. Uh, Shanghai down 23, that's 0.7%. But at least, for the first time in a while, the Chinese two markets, our mainland and Hang Seng, are going the same direction. Over in Europe, uh, down but not very much. DAX down 27.2%, FTSE down 15.2%, kick around down 2, call that flat. Yesterday, uh, mixed and mixed and snorry market. Snorry, is that a, is that a, de- a term? Uh, Dow down 10 s p up three, Nasdaq down four, so like it would never happen. Uh, bonds up six basis points, three point six three. Uh, bonds are down. A ten year is up. Uh, is what I'm what I'm saying here. Bond up three basis points, two point five one. Uh, Japan uh, same high end of the range, point four eight. We've got oil down a buck fifty eight to seventy nine twenty eight. Um, we've got gold uh, down thirty two bucks because the dollar strengthened in here under two thousand nineteen eighty seven. So not good for the gold people. Uh, silver down 31 cents. Ouch, it's one and a quarter percent. 24.94. Copper down five cents. 404. We've got Bitcoin down 974. Under 30,000 now. By a ways, 29,224. And the, the culprit in mo- most of this is the euro. The euro is down uh, 33 uh, basis points. I mean the dollar is higher, so the euro's down to 109. Mm. Uh, the pound's at 124. The pound's barely moved, so it hasn't moved near as much as you would think with this big move in gold and oil. What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Well, definitely. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.38 a.m. on April 19th, 2023. Uh, the weather this morning in Chicago, mostly cloudy, 45 degrees currently. Expect mostly cloudy skies today with some sunny skies uh, later on and a high of 76. Uh, expect rain tomorrow in the afternoon and sunny skies on Friday. Right now in Phoenix, partly cloudy, 64 degrees currently, a high of 81 later on. We mentioned before aerial flood warning in effect for that area. According to the Arizona Department of Water Resources, that's because they're releasing water buildup from last winter uh, into the Salt River from Bartlett Dam. In sports, the MLB yesterday, White Sox in a doubleheader with the Phillies, Game 1 to Phillies 7-4 and Game 2 to Sox 3 to nothing. 
Cubs won as well, 4-0 against Oakland Athletics. And Diamondbacks beat Cardinals at 8-7. Today, all teams back for a rematch this afternoon. Last night in the NBA, Suns won in Game 2 of the West first round. Final score, 123 to Clippers, 109. So for now, Chief, back to you. So what do they think? Somebody had pitched a tent in the, in the dry riverbed and, or something? I mean, nobody's <laughs> living there. I don't know. I think uh, it could be the, the for the floodplains of that area, if there, if there are any. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, well, that's well, the sure. theory. Yeah. Unless they're going to let out so much, they think the river's going to flood. <laughs> I don't know. They seem to have a lot of water down there. Got uh So, uh, Russell, what's your theory, before we get back to what we were talking about, the heavy stuff on banks, What's your theory regarding the possum in the broadcast booth at Oakland Stadium? I didn't know there was a possum. (laughs) I'm not surprised, you know, because wildlife takes over when places are empty pretty quickly. Well, I could see, like, uh, some mice. I could certainly see a rat. Oh, yeah. But how the hell does a possum make it up high into the broadcast booth without somebody putting them there? Hmm. Oh, you think somebody's somebody's playing a joke? I, I don't know how how would a possum get up there? Take the elevator? I don't know. <laughs> Sabotage. You know, you know what you know what the Chicago version of that is? Not the black cat. No, 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 no. It's uh it uh you know, the White Sox Stadium. I, I, I don't think it's as much of an issue as it used to be, but apparently when they'd go through and clean up for the beginning of the season, they'd usually find two or three bullet bullets up. <laughs> Up in the upper deck. Well, that was before they <laughs> tore down. It landed. Well, there was and, all kinds. Of... And the reason I say it's the Chicago version, it's how did that get there? Well, when the Robert Taylor homes were still up, you knew That's, how they got yeah, there. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of the. Yeah, of the, you knew how they got there. Yeah. Audrey but, had yeah, a. They used to, they, they'd find a they, they'd find a couple of bullets in the it, you know, when they were doing the cleaning to start the new season. <laughs> God, Audrey had a Audrey had a possum by her place, and the poor guy got run over by a car. But he used oh. to, but he would come and one night he was he was out in front of her garage and she had to leave, so the guy's snarling at her. He got all his teeth. Then he, then he decides to play possum right in front of the garage, so she has to get a snow shovel like shove the guy over at least into the grass so she could pull out. He's <laughs> he's hissing at her and showing her the teeth and everything, and she's moving him so she doesn't run over the little guy. <laughs> they they're nasty little dudes. Oh, okay. yeah. But uh, yeah. anyway, so Russell, back back to the banks. I yeah, I, I'm with you. Like a hundred percent that this was a an unforced error in this bank. It should have been taken care of. It should have been handled better. All that other kind of shouldas. Uh, the only thing I will say about him is once people knew what the bank was all about, I can't believe they found a buyer. You know, but and they must have to eat a bunch of stuff. But now everybody's looking at all the rest of these banks and Janet Yellen. Everybody's talking about this banking crisis. Now I'm going to lob a couple things out there, and I I don't know how much how much the uh, is actually happening here, but I want your opinion on it. The idea that these banks all hold uh, U.S. Treasuries at rates now that are lower than what the current rate is, meaning if they mark them to market, they'd be worth less. Okay, now that's a, that's a capital issue, but over mm-hmm. time, over time, it'll resolve itself. I mean, if you hang in there, uh, but but it's an issue. Uh, you also have banks that have not paid anybody any interest for like a real long period of time. I mean, almost disgustingly so, especially as the as yeah, the, and 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 money is is leaving those places as it should. Well, but but nobody, none of the talking heads. That's why you are not invited on anymore. Neither am I on TV. None of the talking heads will ever say that the reason why people are pulling money out is because you're not paying them interest, you idiot. Uh, but now my question is, if they started paying these people three and four percent interest, which some of the brokerage firms are, 
the Fed sure mm-hmm. is, they're now paying more than they're making on these bonds. Yeah. Which isn't the same as the savings and loan situation where you were paying 12 when the mortgages were 6 But it's sort of, I mean, it's the same principle. Is there a general degradation in bank capital across the way? Because, I mean, I'll I tell you, I mean, PTI is a really nice little firm, but we're a little firm. And we have, I won't say all kinds of people, but we've got clients that they're, they're shipping us cash saying, you know, uh, hey, ask Dan when he goes to the T-bill auction Monday to get me, you know, 200000 300000 It's coming out of a bank. You know, and I, yeah. I have to say, yeah. as much as we love the money, if the bank was paying 4%, we wouldn't be getting it because it's, you know, I mean, right? So how, how and there was you, you say the talking heads aren't bringing that up, but um, I did read a Bloomberg article that cited a couple of institutions and, that, that had seen outflows in the first quarter. And it specifically said, as investors look, you know, uh, switch over to places where they can get better yield. So there is that awareness. Well, there is. There's a huge difference, and I haven't been on Bloomberg too much lately. You can read some really good articles on CNBC by some of the people that are on TV, even. Uh, well, most of them don't don't write. Uh, you can you can read some really good articles, but that doesn't mean that would ever be voiced on the air. Right. Right. No. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a uh, there, there's there's a different presentation for those of us that read versus those of us that don't. Yes. And uh. I mean, somebody actually asked, and I don't know how he got invited. He didn't get fired. Asked Moynihan, the the, uh, the young lady with the, I don't know, she, kind of high pitched voice. She she said, "Well, how, when are you going to start paying people some interest?" And he, of course, I can't believe he. I bet he had her out. He had her taken out and paddled or something for saying that, or for mm-hmm. fined. Uh, but she, he said, "Well, you have no idea how much it costs for us to have these accounts. You know, we got to open them up. We got to." <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, give me a break. Hold but, on a second. Yeah. I just, I, I, yeah. I just opened a, I, I, I just opened an, a, a new account, uh, a new checking account because I'm, I've started my own little business, and um, it took me. I did it on my phone, I think, while I was waiting for a flight, or waiting to get on the plane at O'Hare. That didn't cost J.P. Morgan Chase anything. Right. Don't don't give me that. Well, this man. is Bank of America. One hand, I think reminds me so much of Eddie Haskell. I can't even go there. I don't. Well, he's, he's, he's probably. I mean, it, you know, he probably has not been you know in a bank branch and seen what's involved in opening an account in thirty years. But I mean, these these dudes now absolutely have it in their in their mind that they they're going to take people's money for zero and lend it out for however they can damn well get. That, that's, well, they're not lending it out. Well, sure they are. Credit cards yeah. and everything else. But they should. I know, but that, that I think that's part of the problem right there is they're not lending it out. They're um, they're they're taking the easy way out and they're putting it in government securities, which you know is, is very safe. You know, no risk in that one, uh, other than if you you know mismatch with your liabilities, which are people's deposits. Uh, if you have too much of a mismatch and people want their money back very quickly, then you got an issue, and you know that that's that's what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. Hopefully, the much larger banks do a better job of managing. Well, they, but still, it is so easy. That's why when when people yeah. say banks do better when, when interest rates go up, I'm going, how can you do any better than people giving you money for nothing? The the Fed was paying them what one percent, one and a half percent at night. So even a couple of dummies like us. 
if somebody gives us a trillion dollars and we just say, eh, I don't want to have a loan department. I don't care about mm-hmm. Med, Med Burn Plumbing Company. I don't. I guess we'll do some credit cards at thir- 25 or 30% if you really twist my arm. But the rest of it, you just throw the Fed tonight for a percent and a half. Let's see, a percent and a half on a trillion dollars is a lot of money. Now, the one thing that I have noticed, um, I, I seem to be getting more and more, um, you know, emails telling me that from from one of my banks um telling me that i have pre-qualified for a personal loan of you know it the number keeps varying between 20 and forty thousand bucks yeah, but you don't you don't uh unless you just for reasons of the show i didn't want to i didn't want to i didn't want a loan i don't need a loan uh yeah i i actually went through the process Th- then they're gonna they're gonna check your they're not gonna guarantee your rate until they run your, your credit check so you, you might. I um, I looked at the. I can't even remember what it was, but I looked at the. Um, I, I keep getting a couple of them. I keep getting one that's just a personal loan. I got another one. Um, you know, don't you want to tap the home equity yeah. in like a secondary property that I have? And the, the they 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 wanted like six percent for the home equity loan. I remember that. Yeah. I was like, you well, that's, got about, that's about right. That's about right. Me. I can get a yeah. Well, I can get a auto loan for less than that. Yeah, now now you can't. Well, it depends. Well, I mean, it depends. It depends on how much you you twist them and turn them a little. Well, I mean, bit. yeah, but I'm saying it's not it's not yeah. it's not free like it was two years ago or two percent. It's right. It's right. five and a half six. It's not. You know, maybe if you go in, if you depending on the car. I mean, if you pay some places, if you're paying four thousand over a list and they give you a lower rate, well, fa- you know, thanks, thanks for nothing, yeah. as a girl and said. I, Personally, I think the reason I've started to see the, a, a bunch of those is because they think we're pretty close to the top in rates. Yeah, and they want to lock in as many loans as they possibly can at uh, you know at current rates because they're not going to be able to in six months. I don't. I don't think we're at the top. I mean, I, I, what's what's the thing? I think we're at the top, but I don't think we're going down. Uh, eventually, we're going down. It. It. I don't think we're going to go down as pe- as quickly as people think. But they and also if if we really are going to see a recession in the next couple of uh, quarters, they want to try to catch as many people as they can that think it's okay to borrow money. Well, if you're this is like a sweet spot for the banks to right, let's not be like the dunder. hopefully hopefully come up with better ways to make make interest for themselves. But let's let's not be like the uh, talking heads. We're we're at four and a half percent on the Fed funds, correct? Four seven five yeah. something like that. When you say and I say it might come back down. That that's a little restrictive. That number, I think both of us would agree that if they if it drops, if all of a sudden, well, hopefully it's not a recession, but if if things come back to what I would consider normal, you would like to see that rate come down to three and a half, right? And in a short oh term. yeah yeah and yeah. and probably you'd like to see the ten year go to four or four and a half. So there's some some creep there. A positive sloping curve, and you'd like it to be that way, like for a long time, because people who, you know, have money should get something for it. There should we should, but I mean, there there's a boatload of people, and you see what happens in the market once in a while. There's a boatload of people thinking we're going back to one, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, Amazon's going to be four hours again. I I don't see <laughs> that happen. When you and I say it's it might it's probably going to go lower in the next couple of years, yeah, four and seven, four and three quarters to three and a half, but I don't see four and three quarters well, I, I to one. I think more like four and three quarters to four. Okay, but I'm <laughs> saying, we're, neither one of yeah. us are talking 
0.75. Right. Right. To where everything's I, free um, again. I, I, I early in my career, I was at I was the Smith Barney of all places, and the um, I remember when the thirty year broke ten percent, and um, the uh, the one of the you know economists at at Smith Barney said we will never see double digit long term rates again in our lifetime, and he has been dead right so far. Um, I don't. I don't think I, I I don't I don't foresee uh, a sub one percent risk free rate again in our lifetime as well. I'm going to say that I uh, I actually I, I recall because I still have the the you know the scars in my hide from uh, having getting a bridge loan to do a condo in 1979 maybe. Ooh. And yeah. uh, and uh, I, it started out in November at eight and a half. And I'm going to say the day we sold it, the next July, one of the nicest days of my life, for God's sake. We, <laughs> well, you know, you know what? We broke even on the place. I was never so happy mm-hmm. to break even on something in my life. Uh, I think our last payment was twelve and a half or fourteen, something like that. That was in six months. If you yeah. go back, if you go back and look at uh, Fed rate hikes and go back a little bit, they they were doing a percent every couple of weeks there for a while. I mean, it, it jumped. There's a couple spots where it jumped from like eight to like eleven or twelve in a three or four month period. So, the idea that uh, I mean, and Carl talks all the time about what you do to an economy. I never actually asked you those questions. You know, he he has got me thinking a lot more long term on this. Not so much just in terms of the numbers, Russell, but in mm-hmm. terms of how some people get ahead of other people even more. I mean, he's absolutely convinced. In the last three years, there's been a greater separation from. Uh, people who have money to people who don't have money than ever before in, in history because of the, the people who can borrow at less than the inflation rate just go, run off and are never caught and the people who can't are, are stuck like us yeah and uh and you know I, I boy i'd like to see somebody do a paper on that i have a feeling that paper would be really ugly and would be like uh, it would be censored i mean <laughs> i mean I, i'm absolutely convinced the more i've been doing some work on it i haven't Jumped you on it, jump you with it yet? Because uh, I'm not quite, I'm not done. I'm just, you know, slapping around on scrap paper. But I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm convinced that the uh, the last three years have been an absolute debacle for anybody who isn't absolutely a full one percent. And I think the worst in terms of percentages, I think the people that are are are, are getting the worst are the, are the people that have the the two cars. Two jobs, homes in the suburbs, making about three hundred thousand. And then between their taxes, the car prices, because they don't, they can't take public transportation. I think on a percentage basis, they're doing worse than the per- person making forty. Or, or is bad? Uh, probably, probably are because they've got uh, the the locked in obligations that they have. Yeah, uh, are are pretty. Uh, you know. Although I would have to say harrowing. The person. Luckily, I fi- luckily I'm, I'm toward the end of that. You know, I'm actually I'm. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got the two daughters that I love to death, but um, I'm six year I'm I'm about six years out from the youngest one finishing college, and oh my god, am I just you know? And and then I've got about five five years left of earning power, and then I'm done. Well, I uh, better do very well in those last five years. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. Taking care of dad. I'll bet you the little bulldog will still be alive. Oh, that the little French bulldog. Oh God, that that uh. She got her she got her butt kicked by our beagle recently. 
Hopefully, the no, beagle, actually, hopefully no the fur beagle, flu. The, 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 the Frenchie has a harness, and the beagle grabbed the dog's harness and tossed her over her back off the really? couch the other day. Really? That French bulldog is wearing out her welcome. With the beagle? Yeah. And the, and and with the pug. Everybody's ganging up on the French bulldog. Well, all of a sudden she wants, she, she's healthy enough to play and they don't want to play? Well, well she's she's always been healthy enough to play. She's just, she annoys the crap out of them. <laughs> That's all she wants to do. Those dogs are nuts. <laughs> you got to get a that dog. Is, the dog is absolutely, I mean, uh, French bulldogs are just the, the crazy cousin that you would avoid at the family reunion. I'll tell you what. If they want to go off in the woods and blow something up. That is a French bulldog. I tell you, you know what, you, what we should do? Bring her over to Audrey's. Her poodle will never tire playing with her. Uh, just let them run around. Till let them run dying. around the backyard until they both fall asleep. That's hilarious. Because the poodle will just play all day long. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm concerned about this this bank thing because I... The, the, Do you think it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy where they just keep telling us this? And more and more people get worried about, you know, banking at, you know, the local bank and trust and take their money and shift it over to Chase. I, well, first of all, and, that that would be, everybody would, there's a lot of people in this country, uh, you know, the the, the, the Moynihan's of the world and the, and the Jamie Diamonds that would love to see that. There, there are people that really want us to be Germany with five banks or four banks. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm absolutely not in that camp. I will fight as best I can to not not ever get there, but God, it's it's relentless, Russell. I mean, it's relentless. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, I I don't uh, that that's not America. If, if the, the everybody should know that your your growth your growth and jobs are from entrepreneurs, and if we don't have any entrepreneurs, if they can't get money, if Amazon can borrow two percent, and you and I have to you know borrow fifteen, it's not way, what we want. You know, I mean, it's I don't. Uh, and right now, the small banks will still help you out some, but the big banks, I don't know. I don't. I don't see. I don't see somebody walking into a Chase bank and getting a, a, a plumbing loan deal. I mean, maybe no. I no. Mean, I mean, but I. But somehow or another, I mean, maybe these guys are in that bad of shape in terms of if they have to start paying people two and three percent interest, which they should be, maybe more. Maybe maybe they got a problem. I, I did read, and several listeners sent me this to me. That one of the matter of fact, our, our buddy Greg, uh, who helps out on Monday, Greg mm-hmm. Pappas, who digs into some of this stuff big time because he's still over in the board of trade floor. Uh, wh- one of the things that wasn't in the stress test, guess. Oh, higher rates. Higher rates. Yeah. And somebody said to I me, think I, t- I, I, "I think I told you that." Maybe because maybe both of you guys did in the same day, two different articles or something. But, but, but then again, Russell, you and I know people. I, I can't I can't come to you and say, "Hey, Russell, you're in trouble f- for having all these low these low interest rate bonds you bought." Hey, you big dummy, you're the one who sold them to me, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, he, even these guys would have trouble with that conversation. Hey, yeah, you, you, you know you got you got problems with this disgusting car that's belching belching exhaust. Hey, you're the guy who sold it. To me. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, duh. You got you got to get this car out of the neighborhood. Wait a minute, you just sold it to me yesterday. I mean, I mean, That's you, fantastic. If, if if you wrote if you put that in your thesis, would you become a, a doctoral, a PhD? That that could happen. Me? If somebody else did one of those, you'd, 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 you'd give them enough. An, I'm not doing another dissertation. You'd give them enough. 
I'd give it, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd send him back to the drawing board. You'd say, what, what is your name? Who's the guy who wrote uh, all the James Bond stuff? Ian Fleming had the big... You know, he was actually a... Uh, a big shot in uh, British Secret and Sell- British Secret. Oh yeah, Sword. no, he. I mean, his his stories are. You know, he had some life experience to draw upon. But the you, know, you ever read a, the book A Man Called Intrepid? I got, I got a, this year for sure. I'm going to get Christmas presents for everybody who's on the thing. I'm going to give him that book and uh, uh, the other one, uh, Freedom from Fear, and send him about. But he said he had a. He was like the number. He was in the top ten people working for Bill Stevenson. But they said he had a, a vivid imagination even then. Mm-hmm. When he was young, but uh, I mean that, those things—if he made a mistake, though people died. That was—that'd be a tough job. Uh, yeah. So what do you? I mean, are these these banks are coming out with these earnings? Is there any sort of correlation between how they're doing and their earnings? Um, I don't see part of the the earnings that we're seeing now, and you know, J.P. Morgan had really good numbers last Friday, and a lot of people equated that to. Uh, money coming out of the smaller banks and piling into banks like J.P. Morgan, uh, you know the 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 whole banking crisis. It, it, God, I can't believe I just said it that way. But the whole thing that everybody's referring to as the banking crisis really didn't hit until the middle of March. Right. So that's not going to show up in quarterly numbers anyway. You know, that's that true. had to be a hell of a lot of money coming out of regional banks and going into J.P. Morgan in a very short period of time. For that to be the reason that they had good earnings, but Russell, uh, that, I don't think that's the reason. I don't think that's indicative of some bigger trend. But Russell, we just, just we got a dash here. But if I take out, <laughs> if I if I go get a chump change out of my account and take a million dollars out of there and drop it off at uh, uh, you know somebody's money market fund, Kemper or somebody, doesn't Kemper that night have to put it back in a bank someplace? I mean, before they can buy other stuff. It, it, it never really leaves the system, does it? I mean, it, oh, it doesn't leave the system, no. But I mean, if no. I if I buy a, a, a T bill for somebody, then then that's less the government has to have in a bank somewhere, right? I mean, how does it how, it, how does it become a zero sum game for them? Oh, I don't think it is. I mean, I don't think it is a zero sum game. I just think that there's this belief that uh, you know J P Morgan had a really good quarter because of the Silicon Valley Bank situation starting to cause a change in, you know, people's behaviors. And I just don't think that, I, I, I don't think that's indicative of that. I think uh, people are people are coming up with a causation with a one correlation, you know, with a, with one data point there that doesn't make a whole ton of sense. Yeah, I think people are just pulling their money because they're not paying them. I mean, I, I think uh, that's yeah, that's, I mean that, that, that's the logic behind it right there. If you're, you know, if I've got, um, if I got a little bit of extra cash, um, honestly, I you know what I had some extra cash that that I'd set aside for my kid that's starting college in in August, and I put it in a six month CD about a month ago. Yeah, so you, I did put and I but I took that money out of Chase. You're probably better off giving it to us and putting a T bill because you need it. We can sell it. But anyway, it's, it's that's up to well. You. No, I know I'm not going to need it till August, so I'm all, all right, right with that. Because we're getting five, yeah. we're getting five point one on our six month. At least we did last week. Oh. Yes. Now you're making me mad. Th- making th- thanks for thanks for ruining my day. Right. I hope you have a good Wednesday too. <laughs> right. thanks, Russell, man. take care of yourself. I'd uh, love to see you and the daughter. The daughter more than you. Maybe then you'll even bring some coffee. Well, so, uh, we'll talk next week. SP Futures down 25, still down. NASDAQ Futures down 108. Be back tomorrow. Stacks and Jacks. 
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. HomeSource Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Suppose you run your business and let me run mine.